If you're just tuning in for the first time today, then I want to extend my current offer of a one-on-one call with me. In order to set up that call, all you need to do is rate and review the podcast. I have heard how important and valuable this podcast content is for so many of you, which is so amazing to hear, but the algorithms are what they are, and without rates and reviews, designers just like you might miss out on this same information. So if you will rate and review the podcast, take a screenshot of it and email it to me, I will send you a link for a free 20-minute call with me. Now, let me tell you, I've heard that it is challenging to figure out how to do the reviews. And I am not that tech savvy, but I do know you have to be on a platform that you're listening to it on, not just from the link on my website, which I know some of you do use. So personally, I use Apple iTunes and I can rate and review the podcast shows that I listen to. But then someone did say they had a problem doing it on their desktop, but they could figure it out on their phone. So I apologize. It is such a clunky system to leave reviews, but there is a way to do it. And if you do get stuck, feel free to reach out to me like these other designers did. And then let me tell you, these calls that I am on have been so enriching for me to hear what's going on in your lives, in your personal businesses. And we have problem solved how to manage a contractor who is trying to sideline this one designer. We have managed how to stack new projects and define which one would be better to schedule first. And frankly, we've talked about all sorts of other issues both in the design world, construction world, renovation management world, and everything in between. So I want to continue offering this gift because it has been so rewarding for both the designers that I've spoken with, as well as for myself. So don't miss out on this opportunity. Rate and review the podcast, take a screenshot of it, and email it to me, and we'll get you set up on my calendar. I look forward to talking to you soon. Welcome to my podcast, Only Girl on the Job Site. I'm Renee Beery, an interior designer with a passion for managing construction projects, large and small. My mission is to empower women, both homeowners and interior designers, to manage renovation projects like a pro. My goal in sharing my knowledge and experience from working in the field for the past 29 years will allow you to avoid the mistakes I have seen and go into projects confident and knowledgeable about the industry so that your projects will be as smooth and as successful as possible. Today's episode is going to be a continuation of the last two because there has been a massive conversation that got started on this topic. So if you missed it, episode 92, I recommend going back and listening to it because it talks all about when to bring on new clients. And spoiler alert, it is not now in fourth quarter. Then that episode generated a lot of chatter about more details, how to go through the vetting process, who do you put on that list for 2023 and so on. So in episode 93, I dove into that topic and really broke out how to best vet a new client to make sure that they are actually a good fit for you at this time. 
So go back and listen to that one because that generated even more emails and DMs about specifics that designers are going through and wanting to bounce ideas off of me. So today we're taking it to the next level and I'm going to talk about some of the comments I've been hearing about that all use the words, but, okay, we're going to talk today about the hero complex. Let's get started. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm glad you're here. So I just said a minute ago, we're going to talk about the hero complex. And let me be clear, I typically don't talk about a topic that I haven't personally walked through, experienced, stumbled over, fallen into, and yet learned from. And so, yes, I have definitely suffered from the hero complex and I have paid a price for it, which again is what drives me to share these topics, these stories, and these strategies so that you don't have to go through the same lessons that I had to go through. So what is the hero complex? Well, I actually looked it up. I think we all probably have a pretty good idea of what it is, but the technical definition is striving to be the hero of a situation. Okay. So on the face of it, that's a good thing, right? I mean, who doesn't want to be a hero? A hero is a positive character in a movie, right? The hero comes in, saves the day, and stops whatever disaster is happening. But how does that apply to designers? Well, designers by nature, and yes, I am painting with a broad brush, designers by nature are people pleasers. We want people to be happy. We want to provide a service that brings happiness and joy to our clients. There's nothing wrong with that, right? We want to improve their lives. I've talked about in the past about how what we do truly does impact the quality of our clients' lives. And who doesn't want to be a part of that? I certainly do. And there is nothing wrong with being a part of that. The problem comes in when it tips over into wanting to be the hero. And when I say tips over, because we tend to know that it has gone beyond our traditional wanting to make clients happy, right? Women have the innate skill of having gut feelings. And we are almost always right. I mean, we're probably 99% of the time right. We just don't always give our gut feelings the attention and the prominence that they deserve, right? We, we all know how you get that kind of feeling and you're like, nah, I'm just not going to listen today. And you typically regret it, right? In any situation in your life. But it comes into play more than it should in the design world because you are going through the proper vetting that we have discussed. You are asking the questions that you need to ask to elicit the answers you need to be able to make an informed decision, right? And that's when some things get ignored. And that's how designers get in over their heads doing work that they had no business doing in the first place. And sadly, they had a hunch that they knew that and chose differently. So that's what we want to talk about, right? What are the red flags that we're seeing and are being told, frankly, and yet ignoring? So I want to talk about the red flags, but I also want to talk about why we're ignoring it and how we can boost our confidence to no longer ignore them. And then I'm going to tell you about a client that I absolutely knew. Every red flag I was listening to was don't take this job on. And I took it on anyway. And I'll, I'll explain why. And at the time, it, okay, made me feel good about it. 
and it completely blew up in my face, just like I knew it would. So I hated it when I was right about a situation that was going to blow up in my face. But let's break this down. Okay, so red flags. You are on a vetting new client discovery call, right? Last episode, go back and listen to it, how critical they are just to have it in the phone call. Do not spend your physical time going to a potential new client in order to have this discovery level conversation. It is a waste of time. Frankly, even if you are being paid for that time, it still is a waste of time if it turns out to be a dead end. Okay, so red flags, you're having a conversation, you're getting to know them, you're hearing their story, you're asking them, how did you find me? You're asking them, have you ever worked with a designer before? You know, very simple, yet pointed questions that hopefully will give you some answers, whether the client realizes it or not, that you can use to process whether they are a good fit for you. I'm sure I'm not the only one who has gotten on a phone call with a client and they say, oh, I worked with X and Y and Z designers in the past. I'm looking for something new. I'm looking for something fresh. And so I wanted to reach out to you. Okay. Again, on the surface, seems legit. Yeah. Okay. Things happen. People move on. Your tastes change. Years pass. Whatever. But here's the thing. If you are the second or the third designer that they've worked with, you are missing some massive red flags. Now, I am not saying that all designers are good at their job. I couldn't possibly say that because we all know that in any industry, there are people who are better than others at it, right? That's just common sense. But here's what I know from years of experience. If a client is calling me saying that they have worked with multiple designers in the past, I am going to go out on a limb and tell you that it's not all the designer. Now, in the past, and part of my story in a few minutes will be that in the past, I used to say, ooh, they found the wrong designer. Oh, they didn't find someone that was qualified in renovation management. Or, oh, you know, I've heard a few things about that person. Yeah, I guess it's true, right? I can excuse away all of those things. And I know you're laughing right now because you've done it too. And the reason you do it is because you're fearful that this may be your last discovery call with a new client right? That is something all designers suffer from. I wish there was a pill I could offer everyone because personally I would take it first, but we always think I'm never going to get another call. So I bet this is my last shot. So I'm going to come up with a bunch of different reasons and excuse away all these little red flags I'm seeing, as opposed to paying attention to them, looking at them, adding up and realizing this is a bad fit for you and one you simply need to walk away from. Another red flag I hear about is horrible experiences. And I mean horrible. And they go on and on and on. And it doesn't have to be with a designer. I do a lot of renovation management, as you know. So I will get a phone call saying, oh, I worked with blankety-blank construction company. And it's one I know well. And they go, oh, it was awful. They took advantage of me. It was way over budget. They never came back to finish the punch list of this and that and the other and on and on and on. And again, there are no perfect companies. We are all human and therefore we do make mistakes. However, this again is a blazing red flag that you must pay attention to. Because when you start hearing all of the things that went wrong, it's possible that it was just an 
awful job, this one-off job. But chances are, if this construction company has been in business for 10 years or so, it is more likely than not a combination of errors. I am not going to put all the blame on a homeowner because that's unreasonable as well. But I am going to say that there's probably something hinky that they're not expressing in this conversation. So if this red flag comes up and you do know the company, feel free, reach out to that construction company, whoever you know best, and say, listen, Mrs. Jones called me and wants me to help to come in and manage her next project, whatever the case may be. What are your thoughts on that? I understand she did X, Y, and Z project with you. Can you tell me how it went? That's it. You're not going to say, hey, they threw you under the bus. They bitched and moaned about your services. There's no need. You are simply asking for a reference for this new client. That gives the opportunity to the contractor to not come at it also from a defensive position. Oh my God, what'd she say? Why would she say that? Nope. You don't need to share that. You are looking for more data so that you can determine if this person's red flags truly are something you need to pay attention to or if it was something that really did happen and you know that you can fix it, right? That has happened, but it is rare. And I want you to hear that. And then the last red flag, and this has been coming up a lot lately from designers reaching out to me, is about budget. So I was speaking with one designer recently and she said, well, when do you present the budget for the project? And I said, well, in the discovery call, you should be asking what budget they have to spend on this. Now, that being said, the big caveat is chances are they don't fully know what it will take to finish the project that they're discussing, right? So let's say it's a bathroom and they say, I have $10,000 for renovating the bathroom. And they've told you that they want to gut the entire thing. Well, where I'm located in the country, that's not possible. Now we could do a refresh. We could do maybe new face fronts on the cabinets and things like that, or paint a cabinet if it's dated looking. You know, there's lots of things you can be doing, but a full gut for $10,000 tells me that this is a red flag that they don't have the budget to support their dream project. And therefore, it's something that you should pass on. Now, you could take a few steps in there and try to see if the budget is actually 20,000, because that does happen where homeowners will say they have 10, but they actually socked away 20, but they don't want to tell you because they don't want you to go crazy and spend too much, right? Which by the way, homeowners listening, that's nonsense. That's the wrong designer. If you have someone who is fast and loose with your budget, right? And also, by the way, designers and contractors and architects, we all assume that there is actually this additional money that the homeowner is not telling us about because again, they're fearful that we're going to blow through it recklessly and carelessly. So you can take the time if it's a project you really want to take on and try to see, okay, well, gee, that sounds like where you Say something along the lines of, yes, that is a lot of money in my experience that would create a wonderful facelift that you could take on to bring that dream to life. If you want to move into a full renovation or a full gut, then in my experience, that budget won't sustain that level of work. And then just see what happens. If they say, oh, wow, well, we don't have any more. And well, I guess we could stretch to 15. You know that that's a job that won't work for you. 
right? Because you don't want to get into a situation where you are having to maybe not bill properly or maybe not bill your time properly because you know it's not in the budget and or you'll just, oh, I'll just help them out on this. And all of a sudden you're losing. And please let me know if I'm getting this wrong, but we're doing this for a living. We may enjoy it along the way and I hope you are enjoying it, but we are doing it for a living. And therefore, if you're not creating the income that you have established you need to continue opening the doors every day, then this is a job that you need to pass on so that you stay true to your goals and your business plan. Okay, so it's not fun to talk about red flags. It is not fun to talk about jobs that you need to walk away from. But it is a reality in our business because we will get calls from people looking for our help that simply aren't a good fit. And that has to be okay. And you have to come to terms with the fact that you will let someone down. And you may even have to stand your ground when they push back and ask for you to help anyway. I have had and lived through and experienced and survived all of those challenges. And it is extremely hard to stand your ground and still say no when they are borderline begging you to figure out a way to take on their project. So I am not sugarcoating it. You know I won't do that. It's not easy, but it is something you must do. And it will only help your business. And frankly, it will only help those clients that you say no to because you want their expectations to be based on facts and you want their project to be successful. And that success will come from somewhere else. As an example, in that bathroom for $10,000, they might be better off going to a local box store and doing a lot of the work on their own. That's okay to suggest. It is not rude. It is not condescending. Trust me, I've heard this from all these designers. Oh, I couldn't possibly tell them that, Renee. That would be unkind. Actually, I counter that with, I think it would be unkind to take a project that you can't make the income you need from it. You are going to then be resentful. You may even do a half-assed job. You might only pay attention when you absolutely have to. And then the client doesn't get the service that they were anticipating. So I would rather you give them a positive experience and that may come from someone other than you. So, okay, I already told you I was going to tell you a story where I completely, absolutely walked into a situation knowing what the outcome would be, and I still did it anyway, and I was dead on right, and the outcome blew up in my face. So I live in a town where I grew up, and there's a lot of pros to that, and there's a lot of cons to that. And I got a call from a guy I had known for years, and he called me on behalf of his wife first red flag. He said, I really need your help, Renee. We're in a bind. We've been working with another designer. They're just not performing. They're not turning out the work we need. And it's time to move on. Red flag number two. I know you like to work closer to your home. I'm happy to pay travel time because this project, so you know, is about a 50 minute drive. Red flag number three. No one leads with that, by the way. Fourth, I need you to start right away. We're in the middle of a situation. Are you available next week? Okay, red flag number five. And here I am just writing all these notes down, red flagging them, by the way. And I still said yes. 
So I said yes for a couple of reasons. One, I like this guy a lot. I had heard, I did not know his wife very well. I had heard that she had high expectations of things. I don't have an issue with that, frankly. I I like someone that knows what they want and will go after it. I took this job without talking to her, my mistake. And I took this job even though I didn't have time for what I call an out-of-town job, even though I was charging him for my travel time. And by the way, people have asked, I personally charge half my hourly rate for travel time because frankly, it is keeping me from other jobs, but yet it is time I can be making phone calls and be productive on other people's projects, but I can't physically be at other projects, obviously. So I took on the job. I knew I shouldn't. I thought, you know what? I'm going to fix this. I'm going to get in. I'm going to get out. All the problems will be resolved and I'll move on. Okay. I'm going to admit that this was only about five or six years ago, and I knew damn well that I shouldn't have taken the job, right? I've said that a couple of times. Let me just hit the fast forward button, and it was a disaster. This woman was insanely needy. I can tell you that she wasn't having problems with the designers. The designers were walking away from her. I think we need to create a self-help group because it was truly bad. She was incredibly insecure about making decisions. And that alone was what was holding up this project. And I figured it out about maybe at meeting number two, that that is why the project isn't moving forward. Now, to be fair, I don't think the husband is aware of it. He's not there during the meetings. He's off at work and he is only hearing her side of it. So I guess in my defense, he wasn't really presenting the problems that were actually happening. But again, I didn't call the woman first. And that is, and I am fully admitting my mistake. I probably, given all the number of years I was doing this, probably could have figured that out from a phone call from her. Did I get paid? Absolutely. I did. And they did pay me. They never argued about my time. They never argued about the travel time. I think, quite frankly, the husband was just so damn grateful that I was helping the situation along. But here's the thing. It ended terribly. It ended to a point that I had to step away and I don't step away easily because I thought I could be the hero. I thought I could get in there. I thought I could whip it all into shape, straighten out all the problems and leave them with a successful project. And the reality became brutally clear that I couldn't, that there was no finished product that would make this woman happy. And I don't say that lightly because it actually breaks my heart because I have seen countless projects come to a successful end and make clients happy. That's not to say that there weren't issues along the way and clients weren't happy at certain points, but I have never until this client walked away from a project where the client wasn't happy with the end results. So why am I telling you this story? One, I'm telling you because, frankly, I'm not embarrassed by it. I'm annoyed at myself fully because I knew there were extra steps that I should have taken to safeguard myself. And frankly, I got hung up in the, I'm from here, you're an old friend, I should probably do you this favor. And so if anyone's listening who is in my hometown, and I know some of you do listen to this, I apologize in advance, but I'm going to put you through a more stringent screening process because it became awkward and uncomfortable. And I still see this family from time to time. And we now just have moved on to surface 
level pleasantries, but it is not something I want any of you listening to experience because it was painful in the time. I can talk about it now because it was about, I think, five or so years ago. But for about a year, I was upset. I was upset with myself because I saw red flags and I chose to ignore them. I was upset with myself that I didn't take the further steps that I should have that would have avoided all of this. And I'm upset with myself that I couldn't fix it. And the reality is no designer can fix problems like that. Here's what a designer can be a hero on. A designer can be a hero on the furnishings in a house. A designer can be a hero on renovation management. A designer can be a hero on design, aesthetics, and bringing dreams to life. Here's what a designer cannot be a hero for. Solving problems that have nothing to do with the design, the decoration, or construction of a home. And that is what this woman needed. She didn't need me. She needed someone with different skill sets. And frankly, this woman is not alone. And I know, again, you are shaking your heads in agreement with me right now because you've come up against them. I've had potential clients who I figured out before taking the project, they were looking for a friend, a companion, someone to go shopping with, right? Those are not the types of clients that I want to encourage designers to take on. Now, those are less challenging, let's say, than this woman who who really needed some emotional support that isn't in my wheelhouse. And frankly, even if it was in my wheelhouse, because I'm a compassionate and empathetic person, that's not what I was hired to do. I want you all to have the confidence to say no. I want you to have the confidence to say no, even if it's the only discovery call you've gotten this month. I want you to say no, even though you want to say yes. And that's what I wanted to talk to you today about, because I have heard from designers since the last episode on vetting a client, and they say, oh, I I get it, Renee, and I went through all your talking points, but it's a really cool project, and it's something I want to do. Okay, that's a choice, and you just heard me, that I made a choice that I learned to regret. It's a tricky topic to choose a project because of the project and the end result versus the client and the process you're going to have to take them through. Now, I can't make those decisions for you, but my recommendation is that the end product is typically not as rewarding if the person and the process that you have to take them through is going to be so excruciatingly painful and likely lose money on. So be very careful. I heard tons of Renee, but fill in the blank with all of the excuses that we give these clients in advance because we want or we need the work. Because what happened to me is two things. One, I was working a project that it took an hour to get to each way. Typically, our meetings were two hours. So that's four hours of my work day that I couldn't work on another project. So what did that mean? It meant I couldn't take on that many more projects. But as you know, the end of the story is I had to walk away from that client before I had scheduled to. So I was left with a hole in my schedule. Now, luckily, I filled it and I filled it pretty quickly. But in that moment when I made that decision for my business, 
I didn't know I would do that. And the angst and anxiety and stress that it caused wasn't worth it. So please hear me. Do your homework. Listen to your gut. Learn from my mistakes and choose the projects that are the best fit for you and your company and the goals you have set. Okay, so I'm anticipating even more emails and DMs, and I'm looking forward to them. I really, truly love interacting with all of you, hearing your ideas, thoughts, what you're doing, what your goals are, and how you want to achieve them. So feel free to reach out to me anytime through DM or email. I'm happy to discuss whatever it is that's going on in your world right now. And as always, thank you for your time today, and I look forward to our next time together. Thank you for listening today and feel free to join me on social media at Davine Design in order to stay up to date on the latest happenings in my construction world. There is more detailed information on my website for my signature courses for both homeowners and designers, as well as other material to help guide you through a successful renovation project. Make sure to follow my podcast so that you get notifications of new episodes so you don't miss a tip. If you enjoyed this episode, spread the word, leave a review and tell your friends who are starting or are mid project. And thank you again for listening today.